Hallelujah. Just lift your hands here tonight. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Hallelujah. Come on, just sing it one more time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all and we all see Jesus will sing and shout the victory. Just worship him tonight. Just worship him tonight. Lord, we wait on him. Give him praise tonight, church. Come on, we can do better than that. He's with us. He's met us here. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We're here for you, Lord. We're here to magnify you. We're here to lift you up. You said when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We give you praise. We give you the highest praise. We thank you that you're here to remind us you're with us till the end. You're here to remind us you've never left us, you'll never forsake us. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Hallelujah. You're here to remind us that all things work together for good to them that love God that are the called according to his purpose. You're here to remind us to reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which, which is going to be revealed in the sons and daughters of God. 
You're here to remind us that I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a mansion for you. And if I go, I'm going to return again. Hallelujah. You're here to remind us what the angel said. Why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who, came, who, who left in this manner, he's going to come back the same way. Hallelujah. You're here to remind us. Yes, you are. You're here to remind us. Hallelujah. You're here to remind us that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. <laughs> and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, I don't know if you're going to be here when he comes, but somebody will be alive and remaining on this earth that still believes that he's the king, that still believes in the blood, that still believes in the resurrection, that still believes in the tongue talking, that still believes in the fire of the Holy Ghost, that still believes that he's a healer, that still believes he's a soon coming king. He said, those of you who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So forth, therefore comfort one another with these words. He said, I'm coming back. Hallelujah. He's here to remind us. He's here to remind us. I don't know what you've heard lately, but as the song says, the good news is all the bad news you heard, it's all wrong. <laughs> That's the good news tonight. Give him praise. Give him praise. You may be seated. I'm not sure I'll get to my message, but I sure am going to try. But in searching for direction, I think the Lord's confirmed it, and I think you'll know what I'm talking about when you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 30. I want to use for a subject tonight, I want to try to use for a subject tonight, where the Lord wants to take it, I'll try to be my best sensitive to what he wants to say to you, because that's why we're here, amen? So the Lord can speak to hearts and lives, so that we won't leave the same way we came in. But I want to use for a subject, a good friend. How many know Jesus? He's a good friend. But I want to talk to you about the Bible kind of friend. See, the world has its own definition. Some of us have made up our own definition in our mind. You know the proverb, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. 
And I would name the preacher who said this, but some of you would kick me out of the church. I, I don't know that, but he said this. He said, not everybody kissing on you is your friend. If you give us half a chance, as people will welcome the kisses and will shun the wounds. But I want to talk to you about the Bible kind of friend. Paul said, why stand we in jeopardy every hour? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 30. It's not easy sometimes living for God. Let's get that out of the way. Why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? He was oppressed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I like to say it this way. We're all in this life going to experience hard times. I'd rather experience them with Jesus in my boat than not. If you're not getting out of here alive, I'd rather be with the one who gives life. Amen? I'd rather walk through hard times. That's the truth tonight. Tribulation. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sun rises on the righteous and the unrighteous. I'd just rather, I don't know about you, but I'd just rather have him in my boat. I'd just rather have him holding my hand. But it's hard. We get oppressed at times. And Paul said we're in jeopardy every hour. But he's asking the question for a reason. Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. That's the Christian life. And he'll, he, he will adjust our walk just so we can't lean on the arm of flesh. Can I get an amen? amen? He'll bring you into situations you don't have an answer how to get out of. He'll put you in places that you didn't know you were going to face that type of devil, that type of oppression. But he's, he's brought you there to refine you, not to kill you. He brought them into the wilderness so he could show them what? That I can prepare a table for you in the will. You know what they told him? They said, Lord, you brought us out here to kill us. You brought us out here just so we would die. Isn't that something? We think that sometimes. And God said, no, the very thing you're fussing about is the reason or it's the, it's the means by which I'm going to bring you strength. It's the means by which I'm going to strengthen you as you've never been strengthened before. They learned he was a rock that followed them in the wilderness. And they found he was manna on the ground every morning when they woke up. And I'm here to tell you today, he's still the manna on the ground. He's still the rock. that If he could follow them in the wilderness under the, uh, an inferior covenant, how much more will he follow you to bring you water, to bring you thirst, uh, to quench your thirst rather, to bring you bread, daily bread. We stand in jeopardy every hour. I die daily, Paul said. Sometimes that's the Christian walk, the Christian life. But he asked the question, why? What's it all for? If after the men, manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what does it advantage me? Why do we go through all this if the dead rise not? We just sung the song, until then. My heart, well, until when? When the dead rise. But he said, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why do I die daily? And why after the manner of men have I fought with beasts at Ephesus? At Ephesus? What does it advantage me if the dead ride rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If there's no coming resurrection, what's the point of living for him? 
If there's no coming judgment day, what's the point of living holy in all manner of godliness and holy conversation, Peter said? What's the point? And that's the spirit of of the Antichrist that swept our land and even in the church. What's the point of living a holy life? He said that mystery of iniquity does already work. And it's trying to desensitize us to the truths of the gospel. And these interlopers came into this Corinthian church and they began to infect the minds of God's people. And any attack on the gospel will, will, is centered, it has its motive, it has its aim to come right at the heart of the individual, right at the heart of the Christian. It will sully you, it will leaven you, it will break you down. And he says this, in other words, be not deceived. Deception. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I'm going to read that again, but I'm going to read it from another translation. Don't kick me out of the church. Evil communication ruins good morals. Ruins good morals. Evil communication. The wrong influence. It ruins. I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. I've heard it's a good one. And old Webster said it means to impoverish or to bankrupt. That's what Satan's trying to do to the church. Impoverish or bankrupt. To deplete. To reduce to ruins. To damage irreparably. It can't be repaired. That's what he meant when he used the word ruin. Paul said, men are trying to spoil you through philosophy and vain, empty deceit. It's deception. It's empty. And this was trying to invade the church. But he said, it would reduce you to ruins. It will devastate you. It will impoverish you. I'll let you decide what ruin means. But as we say in the South, it ain't good. It ain't good. Some of you, you're one wrong relationship away from it ain't good. Some of you are one, one trip to the wrong church away from it ain't good. Because there's a deceiver and he's trying to strip your confidence in the gospel. And he does so through people who are kissing on you. Oh, I like that church because it makes me feel good. I'm going to stay right there. I'm going to leave right there. Because somewhere else, Paul, it must have been common. And it's, com- it's a common problem. We face it today. It has to be so because it came up so much in Paul's time. He said this to Timothy. But shun. Everyone say shun. Shun profane babblings. Turn away from them. Ignore them. Don't pay attention to them. Profane and empty babblings. Here's what he says. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Keep that in mind. They'll they'll add more ungodliness to your life. Empty babblings. What's he talking about? He said this. They're Word, it will eat 
as does the canker. Like gangrene, a spreading disease. It, it, it starts off small, but it wreaks its havoc. Their words will spread and deceive and your body, spiritually speaking, will be disease-ridden. Corrupt, ruin, canker, the disease spreading. He says this, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, he wasn't afraid to call out by name because he was a good friend. Who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection has already passed, saying that the resurrection is not coming. And he says this, it overthrows the faith. It means to literally, like with a lever, throw something upside down, overturn the faith of some. You say, it's not that important what I believe. It's not that important my communication, my, my, my friendships, young person. It doesn't matter where I go to school. It doesn't matter where I go to college. It doesn't matter who I'm being influenced by. Paul says a good friend is hard to find here. He also said perilous times would come in the last days. Men would be lovers of themselves. Boasters, proud, envious. And he gives us a long list of all the sins. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers. He's saying in the last days it's going to be hard to find a good friend. The wrong one will ruin you, bankrupt you. And there's a few things I want to talk to you about concerning your relationships. Whether that is to be a good friend or to find one. Paul's most personal epistle. How many know the Word of God is the answer for everything we face? We can learn from his relationship with the Philippians. It's called his most personal epistle. But before I get there, I just want to remind you what kind of person Paul was. When he, told, when he spoke to the Galatians, he said this, Be as I am, for I am as you are. What was he saying? See, Paul was the kind of Christian, he wasn't an elitist. He, he wasn't the kind that said, come up to my level. He said, be as I am, for I am as you are. What was he saying? He was saying, I can be a good friend to you because I'm not someone who's without the scars like you are. I've faced demons and devils. Just I've stood on the front line of the spiritual battle and I've taken the licks. And I've taken the bruises. And be as I am, for I am as you. He's saying this, I face the Christian life just like you face the Christian life. Isn't it sad today that we have those who would prop up preachers on a pedestal? They're just Christians. Listen, I'll preach right there. A good preacher is a good Christian first. Now I'm preaching to myself first. I better back up and say, Lord, help me. But that's the reality. Uh, David said, he said, when you convert me, then I'll convert sinners in the way. 
when you give me a new heart, when you restore the joy of my salvation, then I'll have something to say on Sunday morning. When you help me walk through the fire, I'll help them walk through the fire. Be ye as I am, for I am as you are. That's ministry. How do I know? He said in 2 Corinthians, I comfort you. Not with something I have some secret to find that you don't, but I comfort you with the comfort wherewith I've been comforted of God. It's the same experience is all I'm trying to say. We're friends. You don't have a friend if they're not walking the same walk as you are. And young person, I'll issue the warning. If you want to know what direction you're going, look at your buddies next to you and ask yourself, where are they going? And if they're headed the opposite direction of the gospel, if they're headed the opposite direction of Christ, you can only go as far as who you're following. And you'll only end up where they're headed. You better make sure that the ones you've locked arms with have locked arms with Jesus. You want to know where you're going? Ask yourself where your influences are going. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts, strips, impoverishes, bankrupts good morals, ruins, overthrows. And that's what Satan's trying to do. He'll overthrow your, overthrow your faith in order to overthrow your behavior. When you stop believing right, you stop living right. You may not recognize that as the trick, but that's the trick. When you stop believing right, you stop living right. Why? Because Paul said, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power. Where? To us word who believe. The power of God to live the Christian life comes from faith. I said the power to live the Christian life comes from faith. So it's no, it's, no, uh, it's, it's, it's no coincidence why Jude would write to the church and say, contend for the faith. It's, not, it's no coincidence why Paul would say, examine yourselves daily to see if you be in the faith. It's no coincidence why Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? What's he after? He's after your faith. It's no coincidence why Paul said anything that's not of faith is sin. It's no coincidence why Paul said it and Martin Luther repeated it, that the just shall live by faith. I'm going to get happy tonight. It's no coincidence why the Bible says of Abraham that Abraham believed God. And he, not, he didn't work for God to earn anything. But he, it would have been accounted to him for debt and of merit. But God works off of faith and grace. And it says Abraham believed God and he accounted it to him for righteousness. It's faith. If he can overthrow that. It's no coincidence why Peter said that your adversary the devil seeks whom he may devour, walking about as a roaring lion, whom resist steadfast in your works in the faith. You mean I have strength to resist the devil when I remain in the faith? That's what I'm saying. 
And he knows it. So he'll bring along an influence. Evil communications. Corrupt good behavior. He said, be as I am, for I am as you are. He was a good friend. He said, I comfort you with the comfort wherewith I am comforted of God. He was a good friend. But his most personal epistle, again, was to the Philippians. And I, I want you to know this. I want you to know that, first of all, a good friend has a different set of emotions. Okay, I'll prove it to you. Paul said, exercise prophets little. And emotionally, Christians really get stirred up in the church over that text. Because we're not fond of exercise. But come on now. I mean, even recently, I joined a little bit of a fitness club and whatever you call it. No hush. <laughs> Picking on me like that. No, but, but the Bob, you know, but honestly, I, I'd rather an overweight Christian than a skinny sinner. But I'd rather a skinny saint. I mean, come on. Y'all clap too much for that one. I mean, we want you healthy. Jesus, I mean, God said what? He said, I want you to be in health and prosper. But what? See, we don't get emotionally triggered about the same things anymore. Some of you will work on the exercise. But emotionally, I mean, I have to be honest. I, I've joined that uh, you know, group and whatnot, but I don't get as excited about health and wellness as I do about your spiritual health, about my spiritual health. That's keeping it in balance. Amen. I would you'd prosper, be in health, even as your soul does prosper. But I don't get so, you know, exercise. We love that scripture. Prophets little. I don't care who's credentialed you. You might get excited about it. I just don't. Because Christians just don't. Jesus said that those in the world, they exercise authority one over another. But you, it's not to be so. They call one another teacher, rabbi. I'm just good with Christian. I'm good with brother. I'd like to be known as a Christian. I don't care who voted you in as pastor on the fourth ballot. I don't care. I don't get emotionally triggered when you tell me where you went to school. I don't care where you got your degree from, sir, ma'am. I don't mean to offend you, but it's just not what excites me. I'm not that excited about what I used to be excited about. And I'm sorry, it's not my fault, but I've been ruined by the gospel. I've been ruined by Christ. And so we just don't have the same set of emotions. Uh-oh. I don't care what political affiliation you're a part of. Some of us are better Republicans than we are Christians. Some of us are better Democrats. I don't know if you can be a better Democrat. (laughs) 
But the book of 1st, 2nd Chronicles, one of them, that's why I use both. Obviously can't remember. The Bible tells us there was conflict in the city. There was conflict at home. There was familial conflict. There was corporate conflict, social conflict, conflict among the kings, conflict in authority, places of authority. And you think after reading those verses, the next verse would say, for Satan distressed them. But the Bible says, for God distressed them. And as one preacher said, if God's your problem, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. If God's America's problem, it doesn't matter who gets elected come November. I don't get charged. I don't get... I don't throw a party. Although I'd be really happy if the one we got in there got out. I might just throw a party. Don't look at me like that. Everything's more expensive than it was. Transgenderism's on the rise. Are we allowed to say that? Zuckerberg, I hope you're listening. I know this is on Facebook. He ain't listening. <laughs> Kidding, but I don't get emotionally. What, what should we get emotionally charged? Well, Paul was a good friend. I better hurry. He was a good friend. And here's what he said to his friends in Philippi. Y'all just give, give the Lord a hand clap of praise while I flip. You'd think they'd give you enough of these bookmarkers, and I'm going to have to call Brother Swaggart about this. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. Paul said this, I'm always in prayer for you, making requests with joy. And I'm joyful about one thing. Verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a lot of things to get excited about in this world, but a good friend has a different set of emotions. Paul was not just so worried about all the things that were happening in the Philippians' life. He was worried mostly about one thing, your fellowship and your growth in and your maturing in and your victory in the gospel. From the first day until now, he told the Colossian church, he said, it's been bearing fruit in your life since the day that you heard it. And we ought to, as good friends, we ought to get more emotionally charged about those around us who are progressing in the faith than anything else. We ought to be encouragers like, like, like uh, well, his name meant son of encouragement. Barnabas. I'm glad there's preachers on the front row. We should be encouragers. I'm sure he wasn't running around saying, hey man, I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you, you, know, you, you won the lottery. Although that would be great, I think. But you get my point. He, he was excited, encouraging about the things of, of God. Mother, father, you spend how many hours a week at their basketball games, but you can't show up to church for two hours? We move all over the country to add another zero to the paycheck, but we won't move five minutes for a good church. Do we really get emotionally triggered about the right things? 
Samuel wept. He cried. Because he just heard from God himself who said, I have stripped the kingdom from Saul. And I've given it to another. Even a backslidden king, Samuel cried. He wept over it. It broke his heart. It'd be good if tonight some things in the church would break our hearts. It'd be good tonight if some things in this world would break our hearts. It might tell you where your emotional uh, temperature really is. In fact, it's very true that it does. Because if you're not concerned by what concerns God, you ain't with God. Different set of emotions. I'm so glad, he said, about your spiritual progress. You know what else a good friend does? They learn the gospel. A good friend learns the gospel. Well, I'll just tell you this one out, you know, get this out the way. You, you can't even be with good friend, with friends. You can't make friends who don't follow the gospel properly. I'm sorry. I didn't say it. The book says it. Second Timothy. Paul said, from such turn away. Look at your neighbor said, it's hard to find a good friend. He said, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. From such turn, turn away. But Paul was different. He was a good friend. He knew the gospel, and you know what he said? First chapter, verse 6. Let's put it on the screen. Philippians 1 and 6. You, call, you all could quote it if, you're, if your spiritual temperature is right. <laughs> Being confident of this very thing, he which has begun a good work in you, he will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, a good friend understands, yes, amen. He understands where it all began. He understands who began this good work. He understands who began it, and he understands who's going to finish it. And he knows that if your sin of the past wasn't too much to stop him from starting the work, then the sin of yesterday and today won't keep him from completing it. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. If you hadn't heard it, let me be your first good friend of the week. Because I'm here to tell you, if you don't quit, God won't quit. I'm here to tell you, I know you're looking at your 10,000 failures tonight. I know you're looking at the trouble and the problems. But as a good friend, let me tell you something. If the sins of your past, if the evil you once walked in wasn't enough for him to love you on that tree, wasn't enough to stop him from loving you at the cross, then the sin you've embraced, the sin even now you're contemplating, it's not enough from him to stop him from completing the work which he started in you. He that has begun a good work in you shall continue. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what your denomination says. I don't care if you failed. I don't care if you backslidden. He that begun a good work in you shall continue to perform it. You say, what if I need conviction? He'll perform it. What if I need victory? He'll perform it. 
Paul said, I know I want to do what's good, but I can't find how to perform it. And he said, he will perform it. If holy living's not him performing it, it ain't holiness. It's just human conformity. If holiness isn't him performing it, it's the fake stuff. That's bad speech and good preaching. He performs it. He performs it. He performs it. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, Christ is dead in vain. If you can live holy by what you do and he doesn't have to perform it, you're living a lie. And you'll burn out. And as John was, he wrote in first, in the third chapter or second, see my references are off tonight, I'm sorry. But he said that light will go out if you don't return to your first love. Different set of emotions. A good friend understands God's gospel. He began the work. Oh, and then he said this, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And one commentator said this, there's a lot of thoughts on the verse, but he said that what that was showing was Paul recognized Christ was the strength of all spiritual life. My life is Christ. He didn't just start the work, he's upholding the work. And then he said this, he ought to govern the work. He said, let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. So there's some places we shouldn't go because of the gospel. There's some things we shouldn't say because of the gospel. He started the work, he upholds the work, and he governs the work. That's a good friend. That's the kind of friend you need. That's the kind of friend we can't live without. But lastly, and I'm taken back to Paul's experience with the, can I, can I, can you give me five minutes? How many give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Stole that one from the man on the front row. It's been stolen a lot. A good friend doesn't leave at the first sign of adversity. A good friend's a faithful friend. And Paul walked into Philippi, the Macedonian call. You know what's important, how good friends meet? I mean, you, gotta, you can't be a good friend if you, didn't, you hadn't met them. But you know what's interesting about how good friends meet? They're both usually following God in some way. Isn't that, isn't that true? I, I just, there's a brother, and I, I'll leave him nameless for moment I met him, it was like I knew him my whole life. And we were both what? Following God. My wife met her my, hallelujah, glory to God. Met her my second semester of Bible college. Mm. If I get Pentecostal on anything, it's that right there. <laughs> he who finds a wife finds a 
I found a really good one. And she's from Texas. Y'all should be happy. But the Bible says, come over and help us. The Macedonian call. And Paul said, I, I have... I have sensed it. You, you know it's not easy to follow God sometimes? I know it's clear to you, and we read it, and Paul, come over and help. He just heard a vision in the night. Oh, let's, let's, yeah, that means I need to go here. But I'm sure he questioned it. Was that me? Did I eat pizza? What's the deal? No, I'm not going back to the fitness thing. Maybe lay off the pizza, though. Burying myself here. But what, what, what did I hear from you, Lord? And to make matters worse, he follows God. He gets to Philippi. He casts out a devil out of a sorcerer who was making the governors of the land some extra money for their pockets. And when he did, they whipped him, beat him, and threw him in prison. Lord, did I hear from you? Let me tell you something, though. A good friend is a friend of God. A good friend is closer to God than they are to you. Faithful Lord, the wounds of a friend don't shoot me for saying it. They're closer. You want to know the answer to your good marriage? Be closer to God than you are your wife. And you'll be just as close to your wife as you need to be. You don't believe me, do you? You better. I want you all to stay married. A good friend's a friend of God. And he heard in the night, and he's, he's sitting in jail, and you know what he probably thought? Probably what a lot of us would think. Lord, did I really hear from you? But he was committed to God. And in, there in Philippi, you know the story, he didn't know what to do, but he knew he could do one thing, and that was praise God at midnight, locked in a jail and in a prison. See, if you don't overcome your personal battles, you can't be a friend to anybody. But Paul began to praise, and at midnight, the Bible says that the jailhouse, you talk about jailhouse rock, it began to shake in the foundations of the... Because why? Paul was more committed to God than he was to the Philippians. He was following the leading of the Lord. That's what we need. Lastly, Later on in his life, he's locked up, put in prison. And he writes to the Philippians. And he says this. You've heard about my imprisonment. You've heard of what happened to me. But I want you to know something. I want you to know that everything that happened to me, I've, I've come to know. Hey, how many know we don't learn everything overnight? But he says, I've learned that it's fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. A good friend is a friend of God. A good friend sees God working when everybody else says he's not. A good friend says he's working in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trials. Paul said, I've learned. I'm here in this prison, but I'm a prisoner of the Lord. You know, if they're talking about their problem all day, they might not be a good friend. He's the prisoner of the Lord. Bring that up next time you start complaining. I'm preaching to myself. Don't look at me like that. But he said, he, I've learned 
that everything, listen, everything that happened to me, everything God allowed for me to face in the midst of all of it, somebody would not have heard the gospel if I hadn't been here in prison. Oh my goodness. And instead we complain, instead we doubt, instead we say, God, did you really call me here? But Paul said, I've learned that everything I'm facing, God had a purpose for it. He brought him from the prison to the palace, Joseph. There would have been no palace without the prison, and his word tried him there. A good friend is a friend of God. He sees God working in the midst of adversity. And number two, he says this. He says, not only have I learned that God, but he said that in my bonds in Christ, they are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord are growing confident by my bonds. Somebody is always, this is what Paul learned, this is what a good friend knows, someone's always watching how you're, how you're walking through the fire. And they can grow confident by what you're doing. Or they can be discouraged. And I believe in the church. In 1 Corinthians, as we're told, those that begin to spread the lie, that's exactly what happened. They became discouraged. Look, every, every false teacher is just a Christian that didn't grow. Every false teacher is just a Christian that failed to see God was working in the midst of adversity. And then all of a sudden, out of our own, uh, the lusts of our own heart, we come listening for doctrines with itching ears. Tell me something I want to hear. Don't tell me something I have to hear. Tell me how I can. No, no. A good friend is a friend of God. I'm here to tell you tonight. Not only how to be a good friend, not only to find a good friend, but I'm here to tell you he's a closer friend than any friend you've ever found. For he looked on the sheep with compassion. And the Bible says that he looked out and saw the multitudes and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I know we talk about the feeding of the 5,000 and that's in fact what he did, but guess what? You can clothe, you can feed the hungry and fail to feed them spiritually. And the Bible says Jesus did not. He sat them down first and he taught them many things. You want to be a good friend, be like Jesus. Care for the spiritual temperature in your home, mother, father more than you care for the physical needs. That's a battle today. Let your children see you being a worshiper. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. Let them know it's not just a doctrine we preach, but He said in this, you know, today you, you've worshiped in the mountain and at Jerusalem, but there's coming a day, the true worshipers, they'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know, and there's no, there's no worship without a sacrifice. Right? And so we are told we are to be living sacrifices. We're to present ourselves 
as living sacrifice. Everything the Christian does is sacrifice, is worship. Let them see you living it. They'll see a good friend. They'll be a good friend. Stand to your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Singers, musicians, come on back. Be not deceived. That's the word from the Holy Spirit. Don't be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communication ruins good morals. He will overthrow your faith so he can overthrow your behavior, your conduct, your morals, your testimony. Bow your head in, in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word that quickens us. The psalmist said, quicken me according to your word. Lord, we trust you've done that tonight. We trust there are those here tonight, Lord. They found themselves wavering in their walk with you. Lord, tonight, you reminded us at the beginning of this message that we have a blessed hope. Paul said, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why do I die daily if the dead rise not? There's coming a day where you will wipe every tear from our eyes. <laughs> There'll be no death, no more dying, no more sorrow. For John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth descending out from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And Lord, we today take confidence in the truth of the gospel, knowing, Lord God, Lord, we're not here to say, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, for that's the spirit of the world. That's the kind of spirit the world is trying to imbue within the church. But tonight, Lord, those who have been taken by that spirit, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, you'd convict, that you would equip, that you would begin to build in their lives only what you can build. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many tonight would say, I'm not living right? How many would admit, I need to get some things right in my life? I'm not here to embarrass anybody. But you've let the wrong voice, you've let the wrong influence, you've let the wrong communication enter in and it's begun to corrupt and ruin just as the Word of God said. If that's you and you need to repent, Listen, there's not much time. He's here, and in the Word of God it says, I've passed this way once. I might not pass here again. He'll give you the opportunity to get it right, but sometimes He'll commit us over to the sins of our heart if we don't accept the Gospel, if we repress the truth. Sin will just get darker and hurt, and, and He'll start to take, as He did in Egypt, that which is precious from us before ultimately the angel of death comes. Before that happens, he's reaching out here tonight to ask you, is it time to turn around? And some of you know it. These altars are open as they begin to sing. Those of you who know it's time to come home, it's time to make things right. I see the Holy Spirit moving, touching hearts, touching lives. Tears are flowing. Some of you are trembling. The Holy Spirit's here to touch, convict. Don't turn him away. Whatever you feel led to sing.
Let's sing it. Let him deal with your heart. Let him touch you. He has a hope of future for you. Come on, let's sing it. Hear the Holy Spirit. What a soul, my soul longed after church service is not an easy thing to answer. But if you answer that call, there will be a cleansing, there will be a renewal, there will be a fresh touch, a fresh start with the things of God. Joseph has preached a, a powerful message in kindness, and the Holy Spirit has said, I want to fix some things. You feel it. You, you sense it. And as the singers sing, I know it might be a little tough, but the result of you expressing faith in what you've heard can open the door for the Holy Spirit to do a work in you that is so magnificent and so powerful, it'll overwhelm any sense of embarrassment you may ever feel. And you don't need to walk down to this front to get what you need. You just need to express faith in Christ but showing people that God has touched you is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. So if God the Holy Ghost has been, teaching, has been speaking to you about your life as a believer, and I have no doubt that he has been, now's the time as they sing it again to answer that call. Let's come down to this front and worship. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Let him strengthen you tonight. Sing it again, please. As the, come on, if God has touched your heart, if there's some things you need to fix, if you need to become that friend of God, you need to become that friend to others. Come on. Come on, sister. Come on. I know God's touched others in this congregation. It's not a shame to let God touch, to let God change, to let God alter. To some it may be life or death. Please don't let this moment pass you by. Let him touch. Let him strengthen you. You. 
Come on. Come on, church. He's coming soon. Let's get it right. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in the precious, the holy name of Jesus. What we have heard tonight is truly the Word of God unfolded before us, striking at our hearts, drawing us ever closer to you. Lord, I pray that each word that was spoken, that was applicable to the heart, whether they were here in this building or they watch it later by recorded device, maybe they watched online right where they are, let them always know that Jesus is ready, is ready to receive that one that recognizes that things need to change. And Jesus is the great change agent. Only he can change what needs to be changed. He died on Calvary to make that change available. And as we trust in him, as we trust in him, Heavenly Father, we know that your grace will abound. Let your grace abound to each one tonight to each one tonight that responds in their heart to the words that have been spoken. And we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the honor. And God's people said, Amen. Pastor, come on, give the Lord a hand of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.